Good morning. The, the Spirit speaking to the church, I hope you agree. And I know some of you, especially if you're visiting, you might wonder uh, about why there's people in the blue shirts over here. Right? We need to dismiss the children, right? We missed that. So if, uh, kids, you are dismissed to Children's Church. And there's Mr. Rob Susan, our uh, children's pastor, waiting. So, nice. All the kids are moving. Wow, there's some energy in the house, too. And there's a lot. That's great. That's going to be a good, that's gonna be good uh, children's church service. So, back to what I was saying. That if, you, uh, if you're visiting, if you're, you're wondering, hey, what is what, what's going on with a little bit of this extemporaneous speaking in our service? Well, the Word of God talks about uh, prophets or prophecy, and you know we welcome the gifts of the Spirit. So uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it speaks about this. And I've said it before, but just a, a reminder that uh, when somebody um, brings a word, it says in, the, in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, if the Spirit gives them a revelation, it should be for encouragement, exhortation, or strengthening, uh, or comfort for the betterment of the church, the edification of the church, the building up of the church. And we heard today from a few, and I believe the Spirit speaking to us this morning, and really uh, just lining up with uh, where, where we're going to go. And I'll confess that on, I'll say it, Monday, uh, Sunday, last Sunday at noon, which happens to me a lot, Sundays at noon, what's going to, what am I preaching next Sunday? I, I, I was going before the Lord, what should this be? And I know we had started this theme called Stuck, but uh, I wasn't exactly Sure, and I'm, I just want to seek God for what he'd have to say to this church, this congregation for today, and it kind of went to a different place, a little different than where I thought, uh, and who am I to be thinking and trying to plan? Anyway, I, it's just the Lord took me to a different uh, spot, and I thought, okay, this is, this is what we're going to do when we talk about this thing uh, stuck, and and. And the words that we heard about Aaron and her and the four who uh, let down uh, their friend and that, you know, let God in, lift up the gates of your hearts, let the king of glory in and the spirit speaking. It's just really uh, all in concert with what the word has for us this morning, and it is going to be part of this theme that we started last week called uh, just one word stuck, and I know that if you're here in Michigan, you can relate to being stuck if you've ever just had to drive your car through a snowstorm, and I know nowadays the technology is a little better to get us through, but still, you probably understand a little bit about what it is to be in a snow bank, or you go out and, you know, right after a blizzard, and you know, the wheels are spinning, but you're just not going anywhere. And it's better to go forward or backward than to just sit there and spin the wheels. And last week, uh, we considered how 
we as people often get stuck in life because of our own bad choices, our own poor decisions. We do dumb things, and sometimes those decisions bring consequences that results in us just being hemmed in, confined. We can't move, we can't go forward, we can't go backward. And we considered the example last week of the prophet Jonah, Jonah who rebelled against God, and he turned against the clear word of God. God was very direct with him. But what did Jonah do? He ran, and what was his consequence? He became stuck in the belly of a fish, which really is... Kind of disgusting if you think about it. What a place to be stuck. Because of his poor choices, Jonah was in this pickle in his life. And how did he get unstuck? How did he get unstuck? We talked about that. He repented. He repented sincerely. He called on God from the belly of that fish. And when that fish bit him out, Jonah, he didn't move forward exactly. He had to go back to square one. And then God spoke to him, and, and then Jonah actively, intentionally was obedient to the clear word of God. And then what? He saw a great, great harvest. An entire city turned to the Lord because Jonah was obedient. Now this morning, we continue in this theme of being stuck and getting unstuck. But what if you're stuck, or, or, or you can think of a time when you've become stuck, not because of a bad choice, but because seemingly you're doing everything the way you should, good decisions. You're obedient to the word of God. And yet, uh, you get to this place where you just aren't moving. And does that even happen? And if it does, what can we do? Well, yeah, of course, it does happen. I heard somebody say yes, I don't know, but somebody said yes, it does happen. We can all be doing the right things and yet find ourselves in a place similar to Jonah, a place that just stinks and we're not going anywhere. And we feel like life is closed in and we're trapped and we're hemmed in and it can be so mystifying and puzzling. Is there any hope? We heard a word today about hope. Yes, there's hope, but what can we do? So this morning I want to touch on the account of one who was obedient and faithful, and then jammed up, completely stuck. And, and I want to consider his response, but also, also the response of a faithful one that was near to him. And that's like an Aaron, or a Hur, or these four that let down a lame man into the presence of Jesus, Someone else who was around a person who was just stuck in a rut and not, not because of their bad choices. Now, our Old Testament uh, example today is the prophet Jeremiah. And if you've been here over the last several months, you know we've talked about Jeremiah. And if you haven't been here and you missed some of the recent messages, I will give just a very, very brief and quick review about this man, Jeremiah. He was a prophet during the time of the fall of the kingdom called Judah. Judah was the southern region of Israel. Israel was a split nation at the time, and in the south where Judah was, its capital was the city of Jerusalem. Now, 
Israel had the north and the south. But during the time of Jeremiah, the northern kingdom was gone. It had already been conquered by the Assyrians. In the passage we covered today, Jeremiah's been preaching for about 40 years. He's had a long, long ministry. And his nation, the kingdom of Judah, it's on the brink of collapse. His entire ministry has really been just kind of the fall of Judah. The Babylonian king, his name was Nebuchadnezzar, he had attacked Jerusalem about 10 years prior to where we'll be talking today. And he had installed as king over Judah, a person he selected because he deposed the king, and he put in a 21-year-old who he called Zedekiah. Zedekiah, king of Judah, he was evil. He was an idolater. He rejected the Lord. He rejected the word of God that Jeremiah brought. And he then rebelled against his Babylonian overlords. The king of Babylon had put him in power, but he rebelled against him. Zedekiah, still a young man, sought the military help of Egypt, and he thought, I'll just rid myself of these Babylonians. Jeremiah the prophet had told King Zedekiah many times, this is the word of the Lord to you, King Zedekiah. Submit to the Babylonians, and it will go well with you. It'll go well with your children. It'll go well with all your women. But if you do not, if you seek the help of Egypt, if you reject this word I'm bringing to you, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. Many will fall by the sword. Your women are going to be taken. Your children are going to be taken. Well, young Zedekiah's handlers and counselors, they, they, were, not in, they, they were not in sync with this word from Jeremiah, and they persecuted the man for years. They beat him. They imprisoned him. And that's why... Because Jeremiah suffered so much, many credit him with writing the Old Testament book called Lamentations. He was a faithful follower of the Lord who was mercilessly persecuted. Now we touched on Lamentations chapter 3 a couple of weeks ago. After decades of ministry, Jeremiah, faithful to the Lord, he wrote, I am a man who has seen affliction. Lamentations 3, chapter, or verse 1. I'm a man who has seen affliction. And he wrote all about his affliction. I remember my wandering and my affliction, the bitterness and the gall. But this I call to mind. Remember we talked about this. And if you weren't here, it's, it's, Something to take to heart today. Jeremiah, after being so persecuted and abused, and he wrote such a, a sad story about it. He said, this I call to mind, and I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I will say of, to myself, the Lord is my portion, and I will wait on him, or I will hope in him. So Jeremiah had things to lament. Yeah, he had things to, to really be down about. But he called to mind the love and the mercy and the faithfulness of the Lord. And he encouraged himself, spoke to himself, preached to himself. The Lord's my portion. The Lord's my inheritance. The Lord is mine. 
I want to touch a little bit more on this. Uh, Lamentations chapter 3. A little more of Jeremiah's lament because it ties into where we'll go in Jeremiah's life in just a minute. Lamentations 3, verses 52 to 58. Now this is after he had laid out his, all his sadness and then it turned in the middle of that chapter to, to the hope of the Lord, the steadfast love of the Lord. And Jeremiah wrote in verse 52, I'm going to go from Lamentations 3:52 to 58. He said, "Those who were my enemies without cause hunted me like a bird. They tried to end my life in a pit and threw stones at me. The water closed over my head, and I thought I was about to perish. I called on your name, Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea." Do not close your ears to my cry for relief. That was his plea. Do not close your ears, Lord, to my cry for relief. You came near when I called you, and you said, do not fear. You, Lord, took up my case. You redeemed my life. That is a great portion of Scripture from a man who was so, so down. He had been persecuted so much. In this portion of Jeremiah's lament, he reflects back on a time where he was hunted like a bird. He was literally put into a pit without cause. Without cause. That's his words. He was doing everything right. He was faithful and without cause, hunted down, put in a pit, and he was stuck. He feared, we read, he feared he might die. He's in this pit so deep, his head's going to be covered over. He's going to die, but he prayed. But he prayed. He called out from the depths of his misery, though it was totally unjust. He was in a place, not of his own doing, without cause. And he called out from the depths of that pit, and he heard. He heard from the Lord, do not fear. And his life was redeemed. He testifies to that. When we're stuck, and some of us might be in a place today where we're feeling this, when we're stuck, without cause, something's happened, but we've been doing our best to be faithful, consider Jeremiah's response. He did not give up on God. He did not give up his faith. He didn't. Now let's, let, let's get some more details and learn some more from his experience of how it was he didn't give up on God when he was stuck in this pit, and it's a literal pit. The book that's uh, given his name, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 38, tells us about this time where he was literally put in a pit. Jeremiah, at the open of chapter 38, he was bringing the word of the Lord once again once again, to the people in Judah. And what did he tell them? He said, go over to the Babylonians and live. That's what he had told the king. Stay in the city, you're gonna die. You'll die by the sword, famine, or plague. Babylon is about to take over. He said, listen, this is, this is close. It's gonna happen really, really soon. They're gonna take over the city of Jerusalem. King Zedekiah's counselors Again, they're upset, they're angry. And they went to the king. 
They said, hey, this Jeremiah, he's nothing but trouble. He's an issue. He keeps telling the people to surrender to the Babylonians. He should be put to death. And King Zedekiah, who was a weak, vacillating king, he said, I can't oppose you. Do what you will. Now let's read about what King Zedekiah's handlers, his counselors, what did they do? So this is Jeremiah 38, and it's verses 6 to 13. It says, so they took Jeremiah, these upset, angry handlers and counselors. They took Jeremiah and they put him into the cistern of Malchijah, the king's son, which was in the courtyard of the guard. They lowered Jeremiah by ropes into the cistern. It had no water in it, only mud, and Jeremiah sank down into the mud. But Ebed-Melech, a Cushite, an official in the royal palace, heard that they had put Jeremiah into the cistern. While the king was sitting in the Benjamin gate, Ebed-Melech went out of the palace and said to him, My lord the king, these men have acted wickedly in all they have done to Jeremiah the prophet. They have thrown him into a cistern where he will starve to death when there is no longer any bread in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech the Cushite, take 30 men from here with you and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the cistern before he dies. So Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went to a room under the treasury in the palace. He took some old rags and worn out clothes from there and let them down with ropes to Jeremiah in the cistern. Ebed-Melech the Cushite said to Jeremiah, Put these old rags and worn-out clothes under your arms to pad the ropes. Jeremiah did so, and they pulled him up with the ropes and lifted him out of the cistern, and Jeremiah returned in the courtyard of the guard. Or, Jeremiah remained in the courtyard of the guard. Now, this is a very dramatic account in the life of Jeremiah. And like Jonah, who got stuck in the stinky, smelly belly of the fish... Jeremiah is stuck in slimy, sticky, probably stinky mud. And he is sunk into it, it says. And if we read Lamentations, it sounds like he's, he's thinking he's going to sink completely under. And why is he he's stuck? Well, it's different than Jonah. Jonah was stuck as a consequence of his disobedience and his rebellion against God. Jeremiah is stuck in this pit for the exact opposite, as a consequence of his obedience and his faithfulness to God. This is the distinction. One disobeys and gets stuck. Another obeys and, and gets stuck. And we can't discount that following the Lord might sometimes lead to persecution. It might result in a tough time. Jeremiah was persecuted. What did he do? When he thought he was about to die... Jeremiah called on the name of the Lord from the depths of the pit. Now, here's a guy I think who could raise a hallelujah in the presence of his enemies. And he was calling on the Lord. Lord, help me. And I know we just, get, we, we just get a short little line that says he called on the Lord. I imagine he was, he was praying consistently for no reason of 
of his own, that he was thrown into this pit for things he didn't do, didn't do wrong. And he's, he's now in the thick of a storm. He's stuck. But his prayer was answered. In Lamentations, it says, you, Lord, took up my case. You redeemed my life. And how was, how was his prayer answered? Well, we can learn that in the storm, pray. In the storm, pray. And now how was, how was his prayer answered? A guy named Ebed-Melech comes along. Who's Ebed-Melech? Anyone know Ebed-Melech? We hear a lot of messages about, about some of the greats in, in the Bible, don't we? You know, we hear sermons about Abraham and Moses and David and, you know, Esther and Ruth, big names in the Old Testament, Peter, Paul, and John in the New Testament. All those prophets, all the prophets that have the books named after them. Yeah, we can preach about them. But how many sermons have we heard about Ebed Melech? Who was this guy? We're reminded several times when we read Jeremiah 38, Ebed-Melech was a Cushite. Well, that means he's from Ethiopia. He was an Ethiopian. He was a foreigner, and he was a servant of King Zedekiah. Said he was, uh, the NIV puts it, he's an official in the royal palace. And Ebed-Melech, he was a servant to the king. His name literally means Ebed servant, Malik king. He's a servant of the king. That probably isn't the man's name. He was likely conscripted into this job because at some point in time there was a battle that his side lost and he was taken and he was made a servant of the king. And that's what they called him, servant of the king, Ebed Malik. But this man, when he had heard about the injustice to God's prophet, he went to his king. And he made an appeal for Jeremiah. This man, Ebed-Melech, he was the answer to Jeremiah's prayer. Now, I don't think he knew he was the answer to Jeremiah's prayer. I don't think he knew or even uh, wondered about that. He just knew of an injustice, and he went to the king. And he says something to the king that's very interesting. King, King Zedekiah, they've thrown Jeremiah the prophet into a cistern where he is going to starve to death when there is no longer any bread in the city. Now that's an interesting line of scripture. He didn't say Jeremiah's gonna sink down so deep in the mud it's gonna be over his head. No, he said he'll starve to death when there's no longer any bread in the city. This is the plea from this servant of the king, Ebed-Melech. Jeremiah's gonna starve when the city's out of bread. And that implies something. That implies that some, uh, someone, somehow, in that pit Jeremiah was in, he was receiving some ration of bread. And in this, I see a lesson. When you are obedient and you're faithful and you're living your Christian faith and you're standing firm and you find yourself in a place that you could say is akin to Jeremiah. You're hemmed in, you're in this place of, of stuck or maybe it's some kind of persecution. Perhaps it's at your job. They hate you at your job because you're the one who brings in the Bible and you read from it. You're, the, you're that Jesus freak at work or, or your classmates have turned on you at school because you joined the Bible club. 
Oh, you're a weirdo. Your family's rejected you simply because you said, hey, I I was born again. Let me tell you about Jesus. No, we don't want to hear that. In this in the service that meets over in our chapel at noon today, it's, it's the service of Hope Christian Church. I know people there, I've heard their stories. They have literally had to run for their lives simply because they called on Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They had to go into hiding until it was safe to run away from their homeland, leaving behind their possessions, everything they owned. And you, all of this just seems so unfair, doesn't it? We're following the Lord. We're doing what's right. I want to read my Bible. I'm joining the Bible club. I'm I'm following Jesus. He's my Savior. And people come against you. It may seem just so unfair. I'm persecuted because I just call on Jesus. I got to leave my life, my home. And it may seem that way too. If you're faithful to the Lord, you're living righteously, and then comes an unexpected tragedy in your life, a sickness, a crisis, you lose somebody who was so close to you, you loved so much. In those times of tragedy, they can put us in a pit as deep as the one that Jeremiah was stuck in. And what did he do? What did he do? Let's just review, he prayed. He prayed, he called on the name of the Lord. And then this lesson, he was receiving a ration of bread. And and what do I see in this? When you're in the pit, pray, yes, call on the Lord. But do not neglect your daily bread. Do not neglect the daily bread, which is the word of God. Don't neglect that. Prayer and the word of God, they're two important things when we're in the, the thick of a storm when we feel like we're in a pit. I have a, 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 just a little personal story to share, and I may have shared this before with some of you, but I think it fits as an illustration today. 23 years ago, I found myself in a pit. My brother, two years my junior, he'd been sick. He'd been sick for a number of years. I was praying. I was doing the right things. My whole family was praying. I think I prayed every prayer I knew. He was going to beat this disease. He was going to be victorious. It had to be. It had to be. I was praying. So, so many others were too. Well, then ultimately he died. 33 years old, a wife, four children. And that put me in a pit. How is it that God could do such a thing? How could he do that? When I was doing the right thing, I was doing what God asked. I was seeking him and praying, and my whole family was. It just seemed so wrong and unfair. That's the way I saw it in my pit. I had my lament. This is wrong, this is unfair. And I really didn't want to have much to do with God anymore. Was I praying? No. I didn't really have the lesson from Jeremiah. What about the daily bread? No. Why did I need it, really? Was there any hope for me then to be lifted out of this pit? 
pit that I felt like I didn't do anything wrong. And yet here I am, angry at God. And there was hope, but it wasn't from my doing. I just was too stuck. And I know that others saw my attitude. They saw that my attitude had changed, and they were praying those closest to me. They were my Ebed Melech. And then come another Ebed Melech, another servant of the Lord, an answer to prayer. My, my Ebed Melech sent me a, a simple card. Look, few months after my brother passed, my birthday month, and I received a card for my birthday. Now, this was unusual from this particular Ebed Melech who might usually wish me a happy birthday, but this year, for whatever reason, sent me a card. And on the card, there was some daily bread. Someone threw a portion of bread to me. And that portion of bread was... From Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, it was a portion of verse 8, and it said, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And it hit me in the face. It, it smashed me like a ton of bricks. I was in the pit, and I was doing the exact opposite. And I wasn't thinking on any of those things. I was angry at God. He was unfair, and he was unjust. And I had to turn my thinking on its heels. My brother, he won. I had to get that in my head. He won. He was a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. He finished the course, and he was received up to glory. God saw that was the number of his days. Was that unfair? No, it wasn't. It just hurt. It hurt, and I didn't like it at all. But I took that little card I received, and I pinned it above my phone, which I was constantly using. And, and I remind you, there was no cell phones. No, this was back in the 1900s when phones were connected to, to, by a wire to the wall. And so, and so I, I put my, my, this, this card over my phone, and every time I picked up the phone in, in my office at work, I was reminded of these things. The virtues of God, true, honest, just, pure, lovely. Think on these things. Think on these things. Do not put yourself in this place where you're calling God unjust and unfair. And slowly, I was lifted from that pit. Now it seems like a little thing, a card. But it served to get me unstuck. This Ebed Malik sent me a little note. Jeremiah's Ebed Melech came. He had 30 men trailing him. Why did he need so many men? Well, I'm just thinking, Jeremiah, if he weighed about 150 dry, he had a bunch of mud stuck to him. Maybe he doubled to 300. I don't know. He was probably heavier. He needed some hands to help him. And he probably needed 
Ebed probably needed some people to just stand guard and watch in case Zedekiah's guys came back and were angry. I don't know that Jeremiah saw these 30 guys, but I know what he saw. He saw a bunch of old rags and some used clothes come down to him. Imagine that for a moment. You're up to your neck in mud, and someone sends you down some rags and some old clothes. What do you want me to do here, clean up? Seriously, you're gonna have to send me some more rags, and there's no way I'm gonna be able to change. I can't even move my legs. But Ebed Malik says, no, no. Just put those rags and all those old clothes under your arms. Put the ropes there, it'll help. It won't feel so bad when we pull you out. And you know what Jeremiah didn't do? He didn't complain. He didn't say, why are you sending me down a bunch of old rags and used clothes? You know, you could have sent me some brand new waterproof memory foam. Maybe you could have done that. It would have helped out. It would have been a lot more comfortable. Nah, he didn't say anything like that. He used what was sent to him. He used what was sent to him, and he was lifted from the pit. And if you're in a pit, and someone extends themselves to help, you get an Ebed Melech, you get an Aaron, you get a Her, you get one of these unnamed people who come just to help you. And you see something that just seems insignificant. It's just a rag. It's an old pair of pants. Don't blow it off. I'm so glad I didn't blow off a little card that was mailed to me. A simple gesture. I'm glad I didn't consider it a rag to be tossed aside. Some of you might be in a cistern today. You might be stuck, and you might be stuck for no account of your own. You've been, you've been doing the right things. You have been faithful. Don't give up on the Lord. Don't give up on the Lord. Don't run from him. Run to him and pray. Pray. And then take in his word. Take in the daily bread. Do not neglect it. And listen to him. Listen to him and hear him say to you in your place, do not fear. And if Moses doesn't show up, if David doesn't show up, or an Esther, or Ruth, or Peter, or Paul, or John, if none of them show up, but only a humble Ebed Melech, only a humble servant with a handful of rags, receive what that person has. It just might be an answer to your prayer. And I know today, I can look out here, and I know many of you, you're not stuck. You are not stuck. You are strong in your faith. You're moving forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You are adding to it. You are, you are uh, getting to know Jesus more and more, moving in the grace and the glory of your Lord and your Savior, Jesus Christ. So I say to you today, those of you who are not stuck, will you be an Ebed Malik today? Will you be an Aaron? Will you be a her? Will you be one who would help a friend come to Jesus? There are some in your circle who are stuck. 
Will you be one that helps lift them out? Perhaps they just need to hear your encouragement. Maybe they just need a reminder. Hey, your life's been redeemed. Jesus saved us all from our sin. Jesus came to this earth and he walked the earth. He came as a human being. God, human in the flesh. And you know why? So he could feel pain. Jesus felt pain. And he suffered. And he understands and he sympathizes with your pain. You could say to them, Jesus never let me down. Never let me down. He won't. He won't fail you now. Lift up the gate of your heart. Lift up the gate of your heart. Let the king of glory come in. Let the king of glory the, and, the, and the Holy Spirit soothe you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you're saying, ah, oh, no, no, no. They've heard all that before. They've heard all that before. Come on, ain't you got anything new? I need to bring them something new. You know, that might be used. It might be well-worn. But send it on down anyway. That helped lift someone out of their pit. I know, I know, we all know someone who needs a lift. We know someone who's been faithful. And they're living for Jesus. And life has just smacked them in the face. It's brought a trial. It's stunned them. And maybe they're stuck. Now think of that person. Will you be that servant? Will you be that servant of the king for them? Will you be their Ebed Malik today? Let's pray. Let's pray. I invite you all to stand and let's pray. And if you know that, if you know a person who needs that, or maybe you are the person who needs that, let's, let's pray before we go. And ask that King of glory, Jesus Christ, to be that rock, to be that, to be that help for us today. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to your church today, God. Thank you for the Holy Spirit moving. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. God, help us all. And, and Lord, I just pray, I pray over this congregation, everyone in this house today, everyone who's joining us uh, online, God, and I just ask and pray if there's anyone within my listening voice who's in that place like, like Jeremiah was. And for no reason, they've just been following you, but yet they found themselves in this place. It could be persecution. It could be trial tragedy of life. God, I, I just ask that you would strengthen them to pray, to seek you, to call on your name, to take in the daily bread, to receive what someone might have, even though it might seem a rag. God, and help them. Help them, Lord, encourage, bring strength and help. And God, for all, all, all the many in here, who are in a place where they are walking strong with you. Lord, I pray you'd use them. I pray you'd use them, God. Just well up within each one here, God, and, and give them something small. It might seem insignificant, but something that they could help another with that would 
pull them up and out of a pit and back to you, walking with you and being with you, strong in you. God, I just pray that, Lord, that you would use us all. Use us all, God. We put our lives in your hands. Lord, make us the the servants of the King of glory. That's what we want to be. We want to be the Ebed Melechs of Jesus, our King, the servants of the King, God, and help us to do that, God. Help us, Lord. And if we can be that servant, an Aaron, a her, a somebody who would lift an arm or let another down to be with Jesus, God, use us. Lord, spread out your spirit amongst all who are here and fill them with that. Lord, fill them with that to be used by you, empowered by you for your kingdom, Lord, and for the benefit of others. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for all that you've given to us, and thank you for the word of God that enriches us and brings life. We appreciate it so much. And God, I just pray now as as we go, you bless our time. Bless our time together, Lord, as as we gather in our dining room just just to see others and share a little bit of the season. Thank you, God, and bless that time, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And you all are invited to our dining room to have some cider and some donuts. And if, if you want to get prayed for before then, these altars are always open. We'll take time to pray with you, and then we'll see you in the dining room. God bless you.